at the beginning, it was very important that I stay true to what I'm actually teaching them and telling them, hey, I'm just one step ahead of you. It's time to create a life that's better than your dreams with the I Heart My Life show. I'm Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life and your I Heart My Life show host. This is your one-stop shop for all things personal development meets lifestyle. So pull up a seat, get out a pen and a paper and get ready to learn. Welcome to the I Heart My Life show, Kiana. I'm so excited to have you here. I know you are the CEO of Invest Diva, and today you're going to talk to us all about all the financial things that entrepreneurs and business owners need to know to not only uh, make sure that they are paying themselves, but that they actually have money left over every single month to pay their bills, which is a big problem for many people who start a business. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And not only that, I mean, paying the bills is great, but that's like level one, level zero. Like you're not broke. Congratulations. You're not zero. (laughs) We're talking about creating generational wealth so that not only you achieve financial freedom in a timely manner so you can actually enjoy that money while you are, you can still enjoy it, but then leave something for whoever you want to make an impact after you're gone. Like that becomes about the impact. And um, I have been working with entrepreneurs, non-entrepreneurs, business owners, moms, stay-at-home moms, and there are things that, little things that anybody can do just to take control of their kind of financial future and ensure that the money is going to continue making more money on their behalf so that they don't have to just keep working until the day they, they die, something like that. <laughs> I love that. I had a coach tell me once that for a long time, she considered herself a, a card-carrying member of the Just Enough Club. So I know that we're not looking to create just enough. Like you said, we're looking to create more than enough and that level of abundance that most people start their business to actually achieve. But like you said, there's some simple things we can talk about today. So take us back. Tell us what actually inspired you to start this business and to do this work. So when I got started, I'm not going to lie, I wasn't in it for the impact. (laughs) I just wanted to make money. (laughs) So the inspiration came after I got fired. So quick backstory. I born and raised in Iran. I was there until I was 18, went to Japan. I was there for seven years, studied something completely different than what I do right now. I studied Electrical engineering has nothing to do with making money. And then 2008, the markets crashed. And I was like, what's happening? Accidentally made some money when everybody else was like going bankrupt. And I was like, what's this online financial market? So I got super curious to the point that I decided to come to New York. So I came to New York, started, I got a job um, on Wall Street. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, I want to learn all about these investing stuff. And I was actually doing really well. It is a boys club. And um, on a day that I thought I had like the best performance ever, I got fired. I still don't know why. But it was like a slap on the face because I was like, yes, this is great. And then got fired. Then you know what happens after you get fired. Oh, like one thing, one terrible things happens. And then all the other things also fall through. So my boyfriend dumped me and then my family had a breakthrough and then I couldn't pay for rent and all the things like literally all hell broke down basically. And, um, so I had to make a decision either just to like be defeated. I was like, yes, the reason we're going to love me or go find a job or just do something different which is what I eventually decided to do. Um, So 
several things came to play. Me being the only girl on Wall Street, the only girl at my electrical engineering class in Japan. And then in Iran, we're Jewish. So I was always a minority. So I was like, I had this fire about getting women involved in something that is considered to be masculine that it really isn't. So that is how I decided to go on my own and start Invest Diva that was born in 2012. So we just celebrated 10 years. And congratulations. Thank you so much. It has been it has been amazing and I've learned a lot obviously because at the beginning I didn't really knew what the calling was and as it's been growing and as we've been changing lives it's like oh my gosh women need to have money not just so that they have money now this is just beginning getting even bigger but it's like once women have money they can raise better children who are in touch with their emotional needs who will in turn then like literally that is in my opinion the only way we can get to world peace so it has become mm-hmm. much bigger it was not at the beginning at the beginning it was just about money but money is energy as we know so yeah that is that is the inspiration behind investiva and i really do think this is just the beginning yeah well i love to break this down even more so it was was it 4 years or what was the time period between when you lost your job and when you started this business 2 weeks <laughs> Two weeks. Okay. Amazing. (laughs) However, I'm not going to lie. Like I was also looking for a job because I was like, okay, it's either that or this. And then it came to a point that I actually did get three job offers from other banks on Wall Street. And then I had to make that decision, but I was so far down the path of really becoming passionate about what I was doing that then it was, so I lost the job in August and once I really committed was actually January 1st, the, the new, coming new year, I went to a club in New York and everybody threw up on me. I was just, oh my gosh, this was terrible. And you know, one of those like New Year's Eve plans that you have that never goes wrong, right? And then I came back home early and I'm like, you know what? I'm just getting, coming. I'm committing myself to doing my thing. I'm not going to do what the people say I should be doing. So, and how did that work in terms of like you said, you know, you weren't sure how you were going to pay rent. There were a lot of things that were happening. So how did that work in terms of getting your first clients and actually starting to be financially free yourself? That was a very long journey because once I ran out of money to pay rent and then my family were kind of mad at me for completely different reasons, I created it. I know take responsibility But I actually decided I I had to sleep on other people's couches. So friends who lent me their couch or like every time I saw an opportunity. So a friend, like I had to go abroad for like three months and she had five cats and she's like, why don't you stay in my apartment and take care of my cats while I'm gone? So those are the things that I did until I actually made money, which took the first time I actually made money. It was not until a year and a half later. And that money was actually my book, the down payment for my book that I got from my publisher. So it wasn't even a client. So I didn't know per se how I was going to structure it. My goal was to write a book and then create a course. I had no idea about how to sell the marketing side of things, but I thought if I have a book, that's going to just like millions are going to come. That was just my hallucination, which was clearly wrong. Even though I got published by one of the largest publications in the US, 
now we know that like 85% of books out there, they don't sell any more than 1,000 copies. And then all of it goes to the publisher, basically, especially if you're a first-time author. So I, the first payment that I got from was from the publisher when I signed the contract. This is amazing. It's so fascinating to me. And on this show, we talk a lot about mindset and trusting yourself. So during that period of like a year and a half where you weren't making money and you were couch surfing and and relying on other people, how did you keep yourself in a place of positivity and continue to trust that this was actually what you were meant for? There were days that I thought it wasn't meant for, and it was, there were days that were tough, but... I'm the law of attraction junkie. I'm a manifestation junkie. So I was so lucky that it wasn't even that deeper level than it is today. I was so lucky that I came across the secret, the movie. And so how I did it, like literally every time I was like starting, I noticed myself, okay, I'm I'm becoming pessimistic. I'm becoming pessimistic. I would literally, I rewatched the secret probably every month that year and a half just to keep myself like on track and I didn't have any other coaching going on for me now like I do meditation I do this and that but that was like I was like okay this is but I know this puts me in a positive territory and that's what I did I remember that that video I actually have it on my iTunes still as well and it was a game changer for me too it was just like open my eyes to what was possible. And that along with creating a gratitude list, I actually did see somebody who was a happiness coach. I started to shift my reality around the same time. Um, And it's incredible, like the power of the law of attraction and just getting yourself into that frame of mind when it feels like things aren't actually happening. 100%. As I said, like, just like you now, I've evolved to doing all these other things. I didn't even know how gratitude is important. But now the list, now I have a one hour morning routine that I do every single day. But back in the day, just to get started, like something small, even like one mantra, like this is the goal. Like with my students now, every time, like every week that we have with our, um, you know, inner circle students, I'm like, okay, just that what your 10 second goal, let's close our eyes and just feel that moment on this day that your goal has come true. How do you feel? And that is just how I start my day, my coaching sessions, all of the things, because it it does make a difference for sure. And as you were on this, the beginning part of your journey, so a lot of the, a lot of my students are business owners. A lot of our listeners are business owners and many women start to feel, or at least in the beginning, feel a bit like a fraud. Um, And so I'm curious to know you're, you're not really making any money for 18 months yet. You're running a company called Invest Diva. How did you kind of break through any feelings of insecurity or did you have feelings of insecurity? security during that time? Oh, yes, of (laughs) course I did. Oh my gosh. Tell me about it. But the one thing that I didn't do was to pretend something I'm not. So invest diva is about teaching about how to invest. And the thing that I had learned during my one year on wall street was the how to. So I knew the how to, I knew the system of about you know, how to go in and create a brokerage account and then sell like this and that, and then do something that I actually became very passionate about was technical analysis. Uh, And I became really good at it. And during that one year and a half, actually, I forgot to say this, I started freelancing as well. So uh, internship, free internship, just so that I can learn things. So I did intern for free on Wall Street 
firms to learn more about these things. And that gave me the guidelines, first of all, on how to even write the book. And in the book, I wasn't like, hey, I'm a millionaire. Like my first book, if you read that. And my first book, I don't even advise like that kind of trading anymore. So I've evolved from there. But I was like, this is how to do it because I woke on Wall Street and I know the back end and the brokers are out there to get you, which they are. So these are the things to avoid. And I came from an educational side, but the imposter syndrome, even though that was the case, even when I felt great about myself, then the online trolls are back are, are at you. So it has been... Um, something that has been evolving. Now I'm very secure about myself and I've seen the results that are created for myself and for my students. But at the beginning, it was very important that I stay true to what I'm actually teaching them and telling them, hey, I'm just one step ahead of you. Like, it's not like I'm, I'm on the, my journey and this is my journey. And I've, I've like learned some things. And as long as you know exactly who you are and who you're serving, like if you're going, if you if you haven't made any money and you're trying to teach someone who's already made a million dollars, obviously the imposter syndrome is going to kick in. But you just want to, you just all you have to be is one step or maybe like two steps ahead of someone who's trying. You're trying to coach if you're a coach. Do you ever wonder when your life is going to get good, like really good, like trips to Italy, good? Maybe you have the job or the business, what you thought you wanted, but it still doesn't feel like enough and you're ready for a change, but you're worried about the pivot. Or do you ever feel like your mind is holding you back from going to the next level, making more money and creating success? Have you achieved everything you want to achieve? Maybe more than you thought was possible, but now you're burnt out and your health is suffering and you barely ever see your loved ones. Or maybe you find yourself wondering when you're ever actually going to be happy. If so, I want to invite you to my Love Your Life Masterclass. Go ahead and go to iheartmylife.com slash go and save your seat today. This is a live class where I'm sharing my better than your dreams framework, which is all about helping you create a life that's better than your dreams. I'm going to be sharing three key shifts to creating a life that you love, and it's going to be full of my best content. So go to iheartmylife.com slash go and save your seat today. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I love that you said, you know, you found the thing that was authentic and true, because I think so often we have to portray ourselves in a certain way, or we think that we do. But like you said, that's going to create more insecurity and imposter syndrome. And everyone has a way in which or an area where they are a step or two ahead. And you can lean on that and really showcase that until you are further ahead. And I've actually had people say that they want to work with me back in the day because they felt like it was inspiring to work with somebody who was only a few steps ahead. And it made them feel like I could relate to them even more than somebody who was you know, chapters ahead. 100%. In fact, one of our problems in our business right now <laughs> is that my portfolio is now so big that people are like, hey, I'm like, I'm making 500 bucks per month. Like, what are you talking about? Like $5 million? No, it's like unachievable. So we have to like show our other students who've made less. Right. Relatable. 100%. 100%. Well, let's get into the nitty gritty. So why is it that there are so many successful entrepreneurs who are making six or seven figures and yet they are struggling to make ends meet? It's because wealth as a byproduct of financial literacy. Financial literacy is not a byproduct of wealth. Most people think, okay, once I make a million dollars, then I'm going to go hire a financial advisor and they're going to tell me what to do. But by then it is too late. (laughs) 
because even if you're making, if if it's just investing, I'm not talking about like the whole full-on financial literacy. Even if you invest five, 50 bucks, 50 bucks per month for your kid, the moment they're born, and that's it. And then you continue doing that. By the time they're 65, they have a million dollar portfolio. There are four types of millionaires. There's a cash flow millionaire, somebody who makes a million dollars, but maybe also spends a million dollars. The kind of million you want to become is either a portfolio millionaire. I mean, it's okay to have a cash flow millionaire. You want to bring the cash flow in. We have asset millionaire, somebody whose net worth assets minus liabilities, a million dollars. Then we have a portfolio millionaire. If you're watching this on video, this is what we give to our students once they hit a million dollars in their investment portfolio, which means this is the money that is working for them on their behalf while they're working on their business, while they're working on some something else. And then the I'll of the ultimate kind of millionaire is a trust fund millionaire because then a trust fund is an asset protection and you have everything figured out. Oh my gosh, how many people are like have all the money, don't have it protected, and then something happens to the family and nobody knows where everything is. Mm. So you need to understand, and you have to do this at the beginning because if you can't manage a hundred bucks. You cannot manage $100,000. You cannot manage a million dollars. And yes, I have seen entrepreneurs. I'm now very involved in the entrepreneurship community. I'm like very involved in the ClickFunnels community of Spoken at Funnel Hacking Live. And every time I go line up to get my award, like my two comma club award, I don't know if you, your, your people are familiar yeah. with it. Somebody next to me like is like, oh yeah, yeah, I got my two comma club award, but like, by the way, last week we had to file for bankruptcy. I'm like, you made a million dollars, but you had to wait, file for bankruptcy because you didn't manage your money. Because they don't teach this at school, people are so scared to start it. And if it's not already a habit, it's going to become very hard to make it a habit as you're trying to grow a business. So it really needs to be ingrained in your being. It could, it needs to be a part of your weekly routine. It's not even daily routine. For me, it's a monthly routine, um, but it has to be there so that as you grow, your money also has a chance to make babies, as I say, because uh, that's the only way to become financially free. So say somebody's listening to this and they're like, oh my gosh, I don't have anything in place. And I so resonate with that person in that line, uh, getting the two comma club award. What are some of the first steps that that person could take? And are they the same steps that someone just starting a business would take? Different steps. But yeah, anybody from any stage, these are the steps they need to take. Well, there are different things. We're talking about financial literacy, including like budgeting, how much money you're putting in and how much money you're getting out. So that's the business side of it. The first thing you need to be hyper aware of is your emergency fund. What is an emergency fund? And I have two. I have one personally for my family. So I have a daughter and I have a husband and he has a job and he quit his job after I started making money. So we have a personal family emergency fund, which is depending on your age and depending on your income potential and your health anywhere between three months to 12 months of your essential monthly expenses saved in a high yield 
savings account. The reason why I say high yield savings account, do not put your money in a checking account. You do not get any interest on it. Put it in a high yield savings account. Discover has it. American Express has it. If you just Google high yield savings account, wherever you are, you're going to find the top list. I'm not going to give you advice on that. This is Googleable. So, and, and when you say business. really quick, yeah, when you say your essentials, so would that be mortgage, food, your your like electricity? What would be essential in your book? Exactly, the things that okay. you cannot live without. That's for personal. So, mortgage, rent, food, transportation, if it's necessary, right? If you want to add in vacations, go for it. But anything that you cannot live without. For my business, my business emergency fund is. The, uh, the monthly payment for all of my employees that can, I cannot like basically um, operate my business without and my ads budget. So the things that are going to be essential for my business to continue running if something comes and hit the business. So we have two emergency funds. So that's step number one. And if you're just starting out and you're thinking, you know what, that would be let's just say for a personal, that would be three months would be 20 grand or 30 grand, whatever it is. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, I can't actually afford to put 30 grand aside right now. Do you recommend just putting a small amount in every single month and building up to that? Yes. So that is going to be your first goal, your first financial goal. And the younger you are, the more, the, le- the less, the fewer dependents that you have it's going to be easier. So at the beginning, when I was just starting out, I had only three months of emergency fund. And I was so the reason why I was couch surfing was because I didn't want to touch that emergency fund. Like I I really squeezed out as much as I could so that I don't like, I'll tell you like how much I squeezed out. I wouldn't pay, buy makeup. I was that cheap person who would go to Sephora and put on makeup on Sephora before I had to like had to go on like a jobs interview or whatever. Like I squeezed out as much as I could so that I didn't have to touch that emergency fund. Wow. And I was lucky that I, I don't think I had, I, I never got to a point. I did. I had to tap into it a little bit, but um, before I went completely ran out, I was paid that 10 grand, 10 grand from my publisher. That was obviously a game changer. And then from there on, then I started like the business, but I, I squeezed out. Like that is when the budgeting comes in. I'm not saying that like the goal is for you to not have to budget anymore. I mean, no, you still have to budget. I mean, now, okay. 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 Good. So, <laughs> Break it down for us. <laughs> so as you start making more money, don't start spending more money. <laughs> people, the reason why majority of people are broke, even if they're getting promotions and they're making more money and they're getting more clients is because, oh, look at this. It's $20,000 plus and this month, let's go on vacation. Let's do this. You want that margin between your spending, your income and your expenses to get wider because if your income, so we call this the cash flow, so that is that is the second thing you will have to do, by the way, your cash flow situation. The geeky financial word of it is like statement of balance, whatever. I don't, I don't they they try to make it complicated. It's your cash flow situation. Your cash flow situation is how much is coming in and how much is going out. You always we need to make sure that the amount that is coming in is bigger than the amount that is going out. And you want that margin to get grow larger and larger and larger as your business, as your income. Rose. Beautiful. So step number yeah. two. 
Was yeah. That. I mean, it sounds obvious, right? But <laughs> a lot of people aren't thinking about it in that way. And they're thinking, especially when it comes to investing in a business, because we are taught the more you put in, the more you're going to get out. Um, but like you said, if you're not paying attention to it, that can lead down to a path that uh, you know means you run out of money. Let me make a differentiation here. Okay. Yes, in your business, the more you put in, the more you get out, as long as you actually know your ROI is 100%. So when I when it comes to my Facebook ads, I still run all of my ads. And we like, we're on a, like $100,000 per month or more per month, like advertising budget. I shut down any ad that is not doubling my money. Like if my ROAS is less than two, that ad is gone. Yeah. So when we say put in money, and I'm not saying don't go into debt. Debt is great. If you can lever, if you can use other people's money cheaper than your own money, do it. But what do I mean by that? I'm not saying go buy a TV and put it on a credit card at a 15% interest. The TV is not going to make you money. It's going to spend your time. It's going to waste your time. And it's going to cost you money. When is it a good time? To take, to take advantage of good debts, in other words, funding is, and I did that, in fact. So as I, that was the next step I did, I was like, okay, how can I start making some quick bucks? And I was like, so English is my third language. And I really wanted to work on Wall Street. And my idea, my real dream at one point was to become a reporter about financial markets. And so I invested in myself. I went into debt to pay for a teleprompter class. And that teleprompter class not only later got me a, a, a gig, a, a contract gig on New York Stock Exchange, where I actually reported on the online financial markets on the floor and learned so much on the job. But then when I started like creating my YouTube videos, like all the things helped me. Was going into debt for that class worth it? Oh my goodness, it's worth literally a million dollars at this point. And that was, you put it on a credit card or how did you invest in it? Well, that was a credit card. But yeah. if you can leverage funding yeah. different ways, yes, do it. And credit card also, so credit cards are great. Do not ever buy on debit card as long as you pay your full statement balance every single month because you get points. Like the banks, the reason why they offer you credit is because they think they trap you. They think you're going to forget to pay that credit card at the end of the month and you're going to pay an interest. But if you put things on credit card, grab the, those points and then go pay that fully off at the end of the month, every single month, then you've trapped them. <laughs> right? And it's a great way of building credit and getting points and all the other cool stuff that comes with it. I love it. And what are some of the strategies we can implement to make sure our money is working for us, just like what you described? So that is when we get into the next level. So these were just financial literacy stuff. They need to do ASAP. Emergency yeah. fund, make sure your cash flow is incoming cash flow is bigger than your expenses. And then that, those are the two main things. I'm not going to get into the next things. Then next level is starting to invest. And there are ways to optimize it, but um, I'm just going to just say the intro, like literally if you don't do nothing and you don't want to be at, uh, not optimal at all, are you guys writing down? Let's write it down. Step number one, <laughs> right? So once you have your emergency fund in place, 
you then are going to calculate, okay, what is my risk tolerance? I'm going to show you guys how you're going to calculate your risk tolerance because that's super important. Um, and then you're going to have a list of the things that you are willing to invest in, which match your risk tolerance. What do I mean by that? Your risk tolerance has three components. Number one, your ability to take a risk. Your ability to take a risk is something we just talked about. If you have an emergency fund, if you're cash flow positive, your ability to take a risk is higher. If you don't have any of that, if you don't have an emergency fund, you probably don't want to invest yet. But once you have your emergency fund and you're, you know you have some cash flow, then that is when you can start investing with as low as 50 bucks per month. And then you're like, oh my gosh, what am I going to invest then? I love investing in stocks. I love investing in cryptocurrencies. If you don't know anything about cryptocurrencies, don't invest in them. The second component of risk tolerance is your willingness to take a risk. That comes down to you. What is your psychology? What kind of a person you are? So my ability to take a risk right now is very, very high because I have a ton of money. <laughs> and I'm not saying this is brag. It's just, this is what happened. But my willingness to take a risk as a mom, I'm still like a conservative investor. So that brings me down to like medium high risk tolerance. Now, when we flip it back in the day when I was broke and single in New York, my willingness to take a risk was skyrocket. I was like, yeah, baby, like whatever it is, I just want to make a, make a quick buck. But my ability to take a risk was like non-existence, right? Mm -hmm. So um, that is how you kind of figure yourself out. Because at the end of the day, investing is actually a very emotional game. And this is how it's different from having a business. You want to have all of your passion and emotion and fire and all the things to go to your business. You want to be at a, at a position that you're completely and utterly indifferent towards your investment portfolio. Like I have absolutely no emotions attached to my investment portfolio. All of my emotions go to my business, go to my students. And how did you get to that point? Like what was the shift that you had to make? Oh, no, this goes to... Risk tolerance. Okay. So first of all, if you're investing the money that is not like you're not going to die, like when I said 50 bucks per month, that is a 50 bucks you could have been spending on Starbucks. Mm -hmm. So you're already indifferent. And then what you invest in is also super important. That's why the third component of risk tolerance is your confidence in the asset that you invest in. Mm. Can I tell you a secret? Please. Elon Musk said so is not an investment strategy just because Elon Musk says yes to the moon. No, the things that you hear about, <laughs> these are not investment strategies. The best place to start investing is, to, is in something that you know the most about. And for that reason, by the way, who do you think you know the most about? Yourself? Yes. <laughs> yes. So that's why my three-step like investment, I call it the Zen Wealth Generator. The first place you invest is actually yourself. The second place is actually my business. The third place is my investment account, okay? So you first invest in yourself. I invest in myself, learn how to do teleprompter and increase my income, right? Yeah. And now uh, I have some money to invest. So it comes third. Mm. But then, but even a tiny amount is good. Even 50 bucks per month is a great start. And then the best place to start then after yourself is something that you're already a customer of. Like look at your credit card statement. Who are the companies that you're like big fans of? 
entrepreneurs actually make great investors because you understand the marketing behind them. You understand, like, as I became a better entrepreneur, I became a better investor. Like one of the best investing tips that I actually got was from an entrepreneurship, business ownership book called Play Bigger, which talks about becoming a category king. And the things that it said about what makes a business a category king, which means like, like a business that is like the, cat, the king of the category, um, are all the things that I want in my investment portfolio. Like all of the companies that I want to invest in are category kings because those are the companies that are going to go the long haul as a value investor, which is somebody who buys so hold for a long time. That's what I want to be investing in. So that's how I actually created that, became a very good investing tip. What are category kings? Companies that improve life, companies that help you do something better, faster, and cheaper, companies that are making a difference, right? Um, and companies that also go with your moral beliefs. So that's an important component. Majority of investing gurus would tell you, okay, just go buy an index fund, which is great for beginners, but um, I I really do want to know what I'm investing in, who I'm investing in. And so for that reason, then it becomes very personal in that essence. And then this is how you become indifferent about the market ups and downs because you're a supporter, you're a fan of this company. Like you don't want to sell the moment something like they, they face a challenge because you want to actually support them. So you become an owner, a part owner of that company. So it's very similar actually to entrepreneurship. So all entrepreneurs, like, I don't know why they're not investing. They should be investing. <laughs> Thank you so much for breaking that down. And I think the next question that a lot of people have is around how you even find somebody to help you invest in these things. Obviously, you know, you have history and experience on the stock market and, and working on Wall Street, but how would we go about finding somebody who helps us take that step? So pick a book right? Pick up a book, go to Barnes and Noble. Obviously our goal is to help people go to investiva.com. We have, our goal is to help 1 million women. I know your goal is 1 billion. Women. Oh my God, that's great. We're still at a million. We want to help 1 million women take control of their financial future. But um, so yeah, definitely totally go to investiva.com forward slash masterclass, check out my free training and get that risk management toolkit, by the way. But there are so many of my students who are now teaching as well. Go with somebody that you relate to who is really doing things that, so for example, one of my students, she helps now Brazilian moms of like three kids to start investing. So it is important that you trust your coach, but to begin with, or if you relate with me, obviously go to investiva.com or slash masterclass. Um, or pick up a book, go to Barnes and Noble and see which one of the stories is you. Yeah. Thank you for breaking all this down. So I know you have another book coming out. Is that right? Can you tell us more? Yeah. No, the second book is actually the uh, second edition of Cryptocurrency Investing for Dummies. Um, so that became a bestseller, which is amazing. It is interesting that uh, the first edition I wrote it when the markets took a hit, like the first crypto bubble when it burst in 2018. We started writing that. Nobody was interested about crypto. And then as the book came out, the market started going back up. At the time of recording this, the markets have again taken a crash. So like, okay, great timing. It's like the recessions. I love it because recessions are great. Are like They make the most millionaires, like the pregnancy time that people like need to focus. And so we're writing the second edition of this. 
and just updating some of the um, things that, oh my gosh, a lot has changed in the cryptocurrency market. But um, the book itself is not just about cryptocurrencies. Like I talk about stocks. And so it's the my most investing related book that I have out there. Amazing. So one of my questions that I have is around money mindset, because that's one of the things we talk about a lot on this podcast. It's one of my biggest passions. So I'm curious to know, have you come up with any other way to describe emergency fund or any other title for it? Because when I hear that, I feel like it's anticipatory of something bad happening. So is there like another name we could give it? Or are you not aligned with that? (laughs) I love that. I never thought about that that way. Thank you so much for bringing that up. We should make another name for emergency fund. I mean, I want to say safety net, but safety net also has a negative connotation. How about your cushion? I don't know. Like name it whatever that something that makes you feel safe and joyful and abundant and helps you not be in fear. Who is that to you? Is that your puppy? Is that your child? (laughs) Call it that. Like you want to invest in that thing that gives you that feeling of, peacefulness yeah once you're peaceful that's when i have to actually go i'm 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 totally gonna take this and run away with it okay it's a new challenge but give it to yourself whatever name that makes you feel this is my this is my comfort yeah i've had a few clients call it their wealth fund um so yeah we can brainstorm if anyone wants to submit their suggestions or any creative ideas we're all yours I love it. I love that so much. I never thought of it. Emergency is like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Whereas this is something you're actually caring for. And this is yeah. that is going to give you that ability to fly without fear. How amazing is that? Love it. So final question that we ask all of our guests here on the show is what is one way that people can create a life that's better than their dreams? Because we believe that we can actually create a reality that's far beyond anything we could initially anticipate for our lives. You're living proof of that. So what is one way people can do that? Oh my God. I didn't know you asked this question. This is oh, one way. Let me, let me repeat this. so I understand this correctly. One way to live the life that is beyond your dreams. Yeah. For me, it has been not giving up (laughs) on the dream itself. Love it. That's perfect. Uh, 100% because, and it goes with all different areas of life, which I'm coming to realize now, because for me at the beginning, up until like literally last year, it was just about the money. It was like, I just, I was singularly focused on money. And now I know is because, I didn't know how to take care of my other parts of life. It was so hard to think about love and other things when you don't have money. So, and now those decisions to live, to make a life in all areas, mm. in love and in health is, oh, okay. I'm going to actually up that. Find someone who's living the life of your dreams or even the thing that you think is not going to be possible and submit to them. Mm. Who was that for you? Oh, many, many of them. So for mm. me, the first time I ever had seen a millionaire in flesh was in Fun Hiking Life. <laughs> I was like, what? People are making a million dollars? So, and normal people, like this person makes me admit a million dollars. So seeing is believing and seeing that is just so empowering to go find those people. They're like, mm. and now the next thing I'm working on is like, you know, 
marriage. And like for the longest time, I didn't have a role model of a perfect marriage. It was like, okay, anyone who says they have a good marriage, they're lying. There is no way anybody can be happy in a marriage, right? So now how I'm working on on that is I found the people actually, and I believe, like I see them have good marriages. And they're like, what? You guys actually have fun together? What in the world? It has, and that becomes your roadmap because they already know how to do it. So yeah. why invent the wheel? And then that instills that belief in you. I remember that because when I, my parents have been married for 40 years and they've been together since they were 15 and same with my grandparents. So I always saw incredible marriages. And so that was one of the first things I was like, I want to find true love because I know it's out there and I know my person is out there and I know it's possible. So when we see those firsthand examples, it changes everything. 100%. 100%. You don't have that, go find them. They're out there. Love it. So you said people can find you at investiva.com anywhere else where you're active. So the place you want to go to get that risk management toolkit, it's investiva.com forward slash masterclass, masterclass, investiva.com forward slash masterclass. On social media, please be very cautious. I have literally over thousand impersonators there. My only accounts on Instagram is at investiva. It has a blue check mark. It's not invest.diva, investiva dash. None of those. Just invest diva <laughs> on Facebook. I'm at Kiana Danielle on TikTok. I'm at Kiana Danielle. Yeah. So wherever I am, I have a blue check mark. So look for that. Perfect. Well, thank you for breaking this down for us and for making it so simple. And also for helping those of us who are at the start, feel like it's doable, regardless of where we're at. There's literally no excuse for everyone listening to at least take, you know, one step forward today. So thank you so much for all this incredible information. Thank you for the opportunity and thank you for what you do. It's amazing. Oh, my pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the I Heart My Life show. Now do us a favor and tell people about this episode. It's truly our duty to make sure that the I Heart My Life movement is spread far and wide. The truth is life can be challenging, but it is possible for all women to love themselves and their lives. And while you're at it, send a link to this episode to three of your friends today or maybe even post it on social media. Use the hashtag IHurtMyLifeShow. That's hashtag IHurtMyLifeShow. And if you'd like to help me personally, then please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give us some stars, cheer us on, and leave a review because believe it or not, that stuff actually really does help. And I read all of them. Please remember everything you desire is meant for you and possible. Keep showing up, taking action, and believing in your dreams.